New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. At night, when our conscious minds are at rest, our deeper wisdom, the holy wisdom, speaks to us through our dreams. There are answers in the darkness that we need, answers that cannot be found in the light of day. They speak the language of the soul, opening wide the windows of our perceptions, helping us to respond to the urgent need of our time. These are the words of our guest today, Anne Scott, who suggests dreams clarify and deepen the wisdom that resides inside, and they can release our potential for self-healing. Anne Scott is the founder of Dream Weather Foundation. She leads workshops and retreats for women in diverse communities and organizations around the country. The focus of her work is restoring the link between feminine wisdom and social change and on the healing nature of dreams. She has spoken to audiences in the U.S. and from Switzerland to India and is the author of Serving Fire, Food for Thought, Body, and Soul, The Laughing Baby, and Women, Wisdom, and Dreams, The Light of the Feminine Soul. Join us for the next hour as we explore the healing power of dreams with our guest, Anne Scott. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Anne, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Thank you for coming. Well, let's talk. Why do we need to listen to our dreams? If we don't listen to our dreams, we are missing out on a vast resource of wisdom. We have so much inside of us that we have forgotten collectively, particularly in modern culture. We have forgotten so much about who we are, and particularly for women, how we can work creatively with life. Without the dreams, we are operating on one wing. And I've certainly experienced this in my own life and seen many women who have found a great opening when they start listening to their dreams. It's essential at these times to open up a deeper way of living. And we who have been raised to trust the manifest world and the, the world that we can see and touch, the dreams can help us to come in contact with a much deeper dimension of life that 
has healing qualities to it. The inner world has such healing qualities. If we don't open that door, we are keeping out the very thing that we need at this time. And you do retreats and workshops and gatherings um, and work with especially women in their dreams. How did you first, how did this first come to you? Did you decide to do this or what? How did that come about? I made no decision. Absolutely not. I wasn't even interested in dreams. It started about 23 years ago. And I had no recollection of my dreams except for two dreams that I had, in my, one in my 20s and one in my 30s. But because it was so beyond my mental capacity to understand what this was, and I had no uh, context for them, I just tucked them away, like many of us do. And many of us tuck away our most profound dreams because we don't know what to do with them, we don't know what their meaning is, and and sometimes they can be a little disturbing because it's beyond our rational way of thinking. So it wasn't until I had a great need, and my need was so pressing that the dreams came in response. Wait, what kind of need? Were you you were going through I was, something in your life? I was going through a, a very, perhaps the most difficult time of my life, in a very intimate relationship, and uh, there was a great deal of um, pain for me in this, and I certainly couldn't resolve it. Uh, I had certainly tried everything that I could in my, um, with all the uh, practical ways that we try to fix things and change things. Well, nothing could touch the uh, depth and seriousness of this situation, and my heart was crying. At night, my heart would cry out in prayer before I even knew what prayer was. And in that need, the dreams started coming. And I had my first dream in that deepest, darkest time that showed me a completely different way of living that would, it was like a stamp, that an imprint that I would carry for the rest of my life. When you had this dream, did you recognize it right right away that oh this is really helpful to me or what when you woke up in the morning what was your feeling the dream was so all-consuming it was showing me in very simple language that that my perceived problems would fall away if i would be the circle in i would be the dot in the circle and that dot was love. And this is not a language that I used in my ordinary speaking, particularly back then. And so in the dream, I must have said yes. And I was pulled as if into a vortex, into this place of love. And I experienced something that I had never felt before. And it was, it was so filling, so wondrous, that when I woke up, there was no way that I could deny it or diminish it or think that was just a dream. It had a, a visceral impact on my whole being. And so the next day, I realized that I could no longer look outside and blame anything outwardly for my own sorrow. And that I had uh, 
an opportunity to learn to live from this place of love, which I didn't even know existed. It sounded uh, like a numinous dream. I mean, one of those great dreams that we might have, not every night, but, but certainly once in a while, something comes to us that's beyond uh, our normal everyday chatter. I think every one of us has had such a dream. And many times we just tuck it away because it either frightens us. Um, I can't tell you how many people, particularly women, who have had such a dream and their words were almost the same over and over. I thought I was crazy. So it's just something outside our, our rational framework. There's a there's a particular dream that you describe in the book, and it, when you mention that sometimes we tuck it away because it's a little bit frightening to us or something that causes us anxiety of some sort, and there was one dream that you were you described that someone told you about taking a a baby and tucking it into a bag. Do you remember this I dream? Do. Can you talk about that dream and how? A dream expert told her one thing and how you worked with that dream. Well, this is a very um, a very savvy woman, and she is a, a professional woman who has worked with people for many years. She had this tremendous dream where she had a baby, or she found a baby, tucked away in a plastic sweater bag, tucked away in a drawer. And she wrote to me and said, what is this? And she thought, it must be safe. She said, oh, it must be safe to have this baby in there. Um, and I can look at it when my, uh, when my son grows up, she said. So I wrote back to her. This was actually all through email. Um, I wrote to her and I said, maybe this baby needs to breathe. Will this baby survive another seven, eight years when you have time for inner life. Maybe it needs your attention right now. And what would you do to help this baby? Would you unzip the bag? Would you feed it? How would you nourish it? And the idea of that was so revelatory for her that she began to make a connection of something inside. It's, it, we've just so, been so trained to think outwardly and so she was able to hold this baby. She didn't know what that meant. So I said, well, imagine actually having a baby in your arms, holding it. What would you do? You would be instinctual. You would care for it. You would love it. You would feed it. Well, a dream is the same thing. You have to hold it. You have to remember it. You might write it down. You might hold it in your heart or just hold the difficult parts with love, but you don't have to do anything. It might come into your mind throughout the day, just just in and out, or maybe at night before you go to sleep, just to remember it. Otherwise, it disappears. It, it really recedes. We lose that particular moment when some healing quality comes from the inner world to help revive our lives. What sort of advice do you give to people who say, oh, I never remember my dreams? For the most part, people who tell me that 
I just say that's all right. Uh, we go through times and periods in our life where we might remember dreams or when we don't. But most of the time it's because the dreams haven't been welcomed. Or the dreams haven't found a safe place to be expressed. And so I have found many times that when a woman comes to a, a circle where dreams are shared, she will start dreaming. This is happens over and over again. Mm-hmm. When uh, What about just the opposite? And I'm one who's just the opposite. I have rich, rich dreams, and they're like Cecil B. DeMille, and they sometimes have musical scores. <laughs> I mean, it just, and they can go on and on and on, and they, they seem to, like, I, I tried to th- say, okay, I'm going to remember my dream when I got up this morning, and, and I thought maybe I would use something in the program, but I realized the dream had so many parts to it. It just had this part and that part, and then in the airplane, and then the room, and then the monkey, and then the, you know, just went on and on and on. And if I sat down and wrote down my dream every morning or even at night when I wake up or something, um, I would spend all my time writing. Uh, so what would you say to that? I would say that you're probably right. You wouldn't be able to have a life. <laughs> <laughs> but if that were to happen to me, I would I would think about the dream just for a few minutes before I woke up. I would look at the dream and wonder, what is it of all that drama that took place? Is there one thing that touched me? Let's talk more about that in just one moment. I'm here with Anne Scott. She's the author of Women, Wisdom, and Dreams, The Light of the Feminine Soul. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Anne Scott, and she's the author of Women, Wisdom, and Dreams. And if you'd like to check out her website and be in touch with her, you can go to her website, dreamweather.org. That's dreamweather.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. So, Anne, we were just talking about if if a dream is just really full— you was just saying to to think about it in what way? I was trying to get at what it is in the dream that most touched you. Where was the contact? Because a dream can go on and it may not necessarily have deep significance. But when there's that moment when something really touches you 
or it surprises you, that to me is a little marker that there might be more right at that place. So in, in this particular dream, the one of the moments, there were several moments, but one of the moments was that two men, they were pilots of a plane, and we were taking off, and they were the pilots. And I noticed in taking off, they, right after their wheels lifted off the ground, they dipped their wing to the right, kind of banking. And I thought to myself, oh, they're banking too soon. That wing could just hit the ground. Uh, but they didn't. They they got through it. They they were able to ascend uh, and continue their ascent. But I did notice that, and I thought that's interesting. So, what 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 question would you ask me about that, or how would you help me to kind of look at that? I would ask you more about what that feeling was for you. What the feeling was when you saw the wing and and you had that momentary fear. What was that like? And where might that connect with something in yourself or in your life where there's a momentary fear that something may not quite get off the ground? (laughs) And yet it, it did. So it might give you a sense of trust. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Good. Good. That's 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 helpful. So when when there are a lot of books that might say, okay, if you dream about an airplane, let's say it's it means this, or if you dream about your left shoulder, it means this, or whatever, or dream about walking, it means this, or and but you don't work with dreams like you don't feel like there's some sort of one interpretation. Can you talk about that? Well, my understanding of dreams came very instinctually. I had dreams for three years before I even read a book about them. It seems that the language is inside of us, the language of dreams, the language of the soul. It's a symbolic language. It's there. We have forgotten it, but I was, for some reason, more attuned to it. Um, And then I had many years training in a Sufi tradition that integrated Jungian psychology with um, traditions, uh, a centuries-old understanding of, of dreams as, a, as guidance for the soul. I would say that the, dream, the dreams that we have, and particularly the dreams that we have now, they are so important because we have lost so many signposts. We don't quite know what's... For many people, we've moved in a certain direction and suddenly it's, it's, it's gone or it's over. There's change, there's transition. Um, and the we think g- we've plotted out our lives and, and suddenly it's not happening the way we thought it might. And the very ground that we stand on is not firm like it used to be. And so the dreams do illuminate a little bit of a light to show us a different way. They're not going to give us necessarily clear directions like MapQuest, but they will, through feeling, help help us to navigate 
give us a compass so that we can live more more true to ourselves more more in response to why we're here how we can help life or the life around us how we can be of service more and so so if if we really do pay attention to them if we write them down if we're willing to allow them to speak to us they will show us something that we didn't know and uh, I I would be lost without my dreams because I have a very strong rational mind and I was educated in Western culture and and uh, often I can experience a certain constraint and the dream opens up a possibility of of wonder a possibility of of life even miracle when I, I use that word miracle meaning life not going as we thought it would go like the the unexpected and I see this particularly with the, the women in the homeless shelter because when they listen to their dreams something opens and it awakens a certain wisdom that had been sleeping and then they they there's a little glimmer of light and then they can realize that they have a different way to uh, be with their situation. Talk a little bit about your work in the homeless, homeless shelter. That started about a year and a half ago, and I certainly didn't intend to work in that area, but someone uh, I met someone and she invited me into this shelter to ex- experiment. Um, I didn't know if this was going to work, the women were in such dire circumstances. These are the newly homeless I'm speaking about, women who have been in the shelter for the first time, maybe for a week, a month, two months, three months. But I found that the dreams opened them to a place of value in themselves and a place of, uh, truly, it's, it's a form of empowerment. They... They listen to their dreams, and and they're in wonder, like many of us who didn't know that they were, we had something of value, something of power, something sacred inside of us. I'm thinking it's almost like an altar inside that you get to go to. It is a place that is impoverished because we've forgotten it. And mm-hmm. so when we remember, it helps us. It helps life because otherwise we close that door and and just like anything where you close the door it gets dusty and it loses its life so I get to see I get to witness these women who open the door and touch something very real and alive in themselves and it's it's a great honor to see this and and when you see someone's light go on, when they start connecting with the wisdom that the dream is giving them, what what is that like? Each time I see that, it's like an affirmation again and again of the reality of of the inner and the outer worlds. If I just walk down the city street, it's really easy for me to forget. But each time I see that connection being made, that 
that wonder, that little glimmer of light, uh, I see that in a very deep way, someone has found their, at least the road to their true home. Mm, mm, that's beautiful. So do do you find that in these times, our dreams in general, that you work with a lot of different people, in general, our dreams are shifting in some big way? I would say in the last few years, the, uh, that there's been a change. I, I think there's a lot of confusion, and um, sometimes the dreams reflect that. Um, it's a little harder, perhaps, to to experience the clear light of a dream, but that doesn't mean that it's not there, mm-hmm. and and it just means that we we really, in a way. We're bowing down to life as it is, and how can we, how can we help? And and the dream will respond. You also worked with uh, women uh, after Hurricane Katrina. Can you talk about that? That was quite an experience for me. I had never been in a situation of such magnitude of devastation. I came there and I I actually didn't know if I could be of any help at all. What I found was at that edge, which I believe the women who are homeless are also at that edge, that there is a tremendous capacity for grace. And so I was able to see something from that experience by simply holding the women in my heart and seeing their shock and sharing to them the dreams that I'd collected from women around the world, it began to weave them back into life because shock isolates us and fragments us and then we feel completely separate from life. And so I found the dreams and the symbols in the dreams and the images in the dreams wove back the women into a sense of being connected, interconnected. And with that came a strength and and a capacity to bear what they were going through without being lost in it. And to hold some of their experiences, which they had during this time, which they didn't value until we began to talk about it and and there was grace and it's it's a mystery to me but i i have learned that to work with grace we just need to be receptive and um and not want something for ourselves and and you mean in in other words to to want to serve a bigger purpose or yes. something uh-huh. Absolutely, and um, I've experienced this numerous times since then. And I, I recently went back to Baton Rouge, and uh, there was a, there were a group of women that came from a nearby shelter, and I saw them. They were suffering tremendously, mm-hmm. and I had just two hours with them, mm-hmm. 
And all I could do was pray. I, I didn't know how I could help these women. I'm here with Ann Scott, and we're talking about dreams and how they can be very important to our lives. And she's the author of Women, Wisdom, and Dreams, The Light of the Feminine. And if you'd like to be in touch with Anne and her work, you can go to her website, which is dreamweather.org. That's dreamweather.org. Or you can go to the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Ann Scott, and we're talking about dreams. And Ann, you were just talking about going back to Baton Rouge and working even just for a couple of hours. And did you find that that was fairly successful for these women? Did they receive some benefit? There was a quite an extraordinary unfolding that took place. And very briefly, the women weren't even able to make eye contact with each other, much less me. And... I began to tell stories of women that I knew from different parts of the world and how we are suffering. Women are suffering. Life is suffering. People are suffering all over the world. And that they were part of something much bigger. And it began to take away the sense of personal failure. Mm -hmm. And so I, I watched the arms unfold and the legs uncross. And then we went into the other room where we were going to be in a circle. And we, I spoke more about my own life and put them at ease with their difficulties in the sense. And then we went into meditation. We just had five minutes. And it was such a surprise for the women because in meditation they contacted either a place of peace or where a word would come up or even a line would come up. And it just opened them to the, the reality that they were sacred. And whatever judgment has been placed on them by themselves and by others uh, did not affect this place that was whole. You know, uh, in talking about that in, your, in all of your work, it's often done in a circle. And it's often... What, what is the benefit of sharing are that sort of work, let's say dreams, in a circle or in that kind of situation? And what advice do you have for us about that? Well, the circle is, is so ancient, and it takes away any sense that any one person knows something and the other people need to come along. My understanding of the circle is that every woman holds a certain quality that helps everyone else. And when we come together, there's a completeness, there's, a, there's an opening we share from a deep place. And then it's as if 
a certain quality of life can come in and and we make a container for it it's it can be very simple it doesn't have to be uh, anything that sounds sacred or spiritual just women sharing but not just to share but with a, a a larger purpose then there's a certain quality of of magic or you know, i would say that the sacred does present itself i think that in in this time in in my view in my perception and experience is that we're we're so used to being isolated that we we suffer from our depressions or our anxieties all by ourselves and the power of coming together and sharing that in a way that where there's a safe container then it it just is transforming and people who have listened to this program have heard me wax about this before <laughs> but uh so what would you say Anne, about how we can create that safe container for that sort of deep sharing and and vulnerability that can be in a situation like that i think there's certain qualities that uh, are natural to women that we may not value and we may not see them as very powerful, but these qualities can certainly be present. Um, some of these qualities are listening, just attention, awareness, receptivity. We might think of these as even connecting them as somewhat uh, weakness, weakness of some sort, but these are actually powers. And so if if we allow ourselves to be ourselves in a circle um, without judgment of ourselves or others, then there is a, a tremendous healing that goes on. And you can see this. I'm sure you've seen it many, many times. We need this now because it's increasingly easier to feel uh, separate, to feel um, fragmented. and And I've certainly found that Every time I have felt myself to be separate or um, not part of life in any way, it's as if a certain uh, energy just leaves me and I, I'm really vulnerable to just sitting around um, in some kind of depression or something like that. But when we connect, there's such a power through that connection, life can, it, it's like making a channel for water and the water comes rushing in and we get to drink of it, but it goes beyond us mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I think it's critical that we foster these circles in communities and uh, anywhere where we feel that we can gather with a few, a few close women or not even close. One of the things that I, I loved that you mentioned that I feel pretty strongly about. And that's um, when someone in that situation, when we're in circle and someone goes into uh, some deep space and they maybe even start crying, uh, our tendency as women to, is to caretake and to start to come and, and hug them or hold them or, or 
do something. And I was so glad to hear you talk about how sacred that space is and that this sitting still and allowing that space. So talk about that and your experience of that. I think that we we don't trust stillness. We really don't know what it what it is, and we might even be afraid of it. But if we're willing to allow whatever that person has expressed or gone through, um, just to uh, speak into the silence, to be held just by our listening and really listening from the heart, then there can be a profound healing and we don't even lift a finger. This is, this is something that we, that is still quite unfamiliar. Well, we don't think of listening as a very active activity in, in some ways. We think of it, oh, it's very passive. But what you're describing there is that it is very powerful. It is very active. The act of listening and without judgment, without uh, interference, is very powerful. And I, I almost think for myself that when we come in on another person who in their process too soon and try and fix it, it, it almost comes from our own fear of, of our, for ourselves of being in that place. And so we're not supporting them in that, in their strength and their power and, and their ability to really sit in this because they were willing to even speak about it in the first place. And that's, that's an act of courage, and to really be there in that act of courage. Well, the, the real healing comes from one source. And if we, if we can trust that, then it flows in when there's a space for it. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important that we understand about space. We've learned so much about form, and now we need to understand about space. And I remember hearing many women's dreams about uh, needing to pay attention to the space between the petals of a flower. They understood immediately without thinking about it. It took us away from focusing on the problems to the space between the problems. And that's where that water can flow in. I think this is ancient, mm -hmm. ancient wisdom that belongs not just to women, but to humanity in a, in a very pure way. What about depression? In these times, depression is rampant. I mean, people are, are suffering. I mean, look at the pharmaceuticals that are giving us right. medications for it. What, what can um, dreams do to help us with depression? Well, I can, I can explain something from what I've seen working with other women, but I can also share from my own life. Um, I did experience uh, certain periods of, of real darkness that I look back and would call depression. And I, I knew only to hold it. I didn't know how to do anything with it, and I didn't particularly want to uh, understand it. I just needed to be with it. And and my dreams showed me that I did have to do that. I had to just sit with it, sit with it. 
And sometimes it was really unbearable. And just at that time where I thought, this this can't be life, I would have a dream. And the dream would show me that this may look like depression, but is actually something else. It might even be longing. And so I began to hold it in a different way. And then out of the blue, I had a dream that said, uh, that showed a woman who was pregnant. And another month later, the woman was not only pregnant, but she had a child. I couldn't see it in the dream. The third dream was that a woman did have a child and that, um, and that I needed to speak about this process. Um, I needed to tell the birds so the birds would share it with each other. I feel that the great mystery of the feminine, which we don't really understand, is how in that darkness something can be born. It's tucked away, it's hidden from our uh, probing and prodding and, and analysis. Something truly sacred can be born, a divine quality in women can be born if we are uh, able to hold and sustain um, that period of time and not lose faith. And so I feel that this is something that we would help many people to know that there is this quality that can be born in us that needs a certain quality of darkness. It's a mystery and it's very ancient, but out of it, tremendous, tremendous joy just in being alive can come without any external circumstances changing. And this to me is a great mystery. What do we do when we don't understand a dream and you have some advice about just holding it um not to you know our western minds want to figure it out and and give it names and labels and so you you talk about looking at it with curiosity and acceptance and we'll talk about that in just one moment i'm here with Anne scott and she's the author of Women, Wisdom, and Dreams, The Light of the Feminine Soul. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Ann Scott, and we're talking about dreams, and specifically about how to hold a dream when we haven't, when we can't figure it out, or maybe we shouldn't have to figure it out. You talk about holding it with curiosity and acceptance. 
Well, we are such a doing culture, and I'm also part of that culture. But I had to learn a different way. It actually came pretty naturally to me. But to have a dream and not have to do anything with it, but to let it just be there, write it down, to think about it, reflect on it. Um, some people like to draw an image of it. And I have absolutely discovered, as many other people have, that the dream will speak to you over time. And what I mean by that is that if you hold it, and it's frustrating not to understand it, and you know it's important, and you know it could even affect how you live, and you still can't understand it, I know that if you hold it and hold it, there will be a little glimmer of recognition that might come through life, that might come through a conversation, that might come through a friend, or that might even come in your own uh, just being alone. And you will begin to see what that was hinting at. If you hold it, it's, it's a very powerful way of allowing something to speak in its natural way. Instead of us trying to go in and, you know, it's like lifting the carrot before it's, it's fully grown. You know, we want to see what the carrot looks like and then mm -hmm. we take it up before it's, it's, it's proper length. Um, if we can trust a little bit of the unknowing, the unknown, sometimes the feeling of chaos, if we can trust that there is a, a guiding principle in that, and that um, that's very hard for people. It's very mm -hmm. hard for all of us because mm -hmm. we want to know. But I think one of the most beautiful Sufi prayers that I know is, um, I do not ask to see, I do not ask to know, I ask only to be used. And my my feeling is that if we if we allow that question, how can we be used or how can we be of service or why are we here, if we allow that question to live in us, then it's easier to be with the unknown. And then surprising things can happen. You talk often about the feminine principle, and you work primarily with women, and, and about the need for the feminine principle to really be alive and well on the planet right now for, for the help to heal what we need to heal. Uh, so what what is your understanding of the feminine principle? There's many aspects of the feminine principle, but foremost is that life is sacred, that we are a part of life, that life is a whole, the web of life is interconnected and we are we are part of it and we each have value, we each have a purpose. And uh, we have access to both an inner and an outer world. And the denial of the feminine impoverished us so much in ways that we can see now in so many forms of devastation or, or acts of violence. The, the crying that we might feel in our hearts for life to be different that is the feminine. The, the knowing that there's another way to live, knowing that, that the qualities of, of compassion, of equality, of um, 
of healing, of nourishment, of peace, of um, a different way to uh, be with the earth. These are all aspects of that the feminine is absolutely needed. Without it, we we might we have no uh, no way to see the whole picture. We can only see part of it. The feminine connects us to what is most sacred inside ourselves, inside life. And this is so healing. So my hope is that more and more people will allow this this uh, natural longing in them to take them somewhere. And when you talk about that and this, all these attributes, they not only exist in women, they right. exist in men too, when they can be cultivated in both women and men. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the most striking example that I had was um, someone gave a gift of a half an hour conversation with me by phone to her, her friend, who is a retired truck driver in Pennsylvania. And he kind of begrudgingly but curiously uh, called me, and we had a half an hour. He told me his dreams. They made no sense to him whatsoever. He thought they were crazy, and he also was a little ashamed of them. And um, within that half an hour, I just asked him some questions, and I listened. And I saw that what lived in this man, unknown to him, but he did understand it, was that, one, he wanted to be of service. Two, he had a deep reverence for the feminine. Within himself, he didn't understand that that even existed. And I said, well, try to remember the first kiss you ever had. What was that like? And he said, oh, it was wonderful. And I said, well, that's the quality in your dream that's inside you. And something quite beautiful happened in that half an hour. He, he saw himself in a very different light. So to me, that is the feminine, the way it can touch both the qualities of, of men and also the natural qualities in women. We need these so desperately now. And, and it's also connected to joy, this, this joyful aspect of life that we have um, become so estranged from. But life is alive. Life wants us to connect and respond and and be in relation to it and and so that is also the feminine when you uh you've mentioned several times during our conversation um the word longing and um that word can be difficult for many of us because it's it's kind of a way of of saying that we're in a constantly agitated place or we're in an unfulfilled place or or never satisfied place or a vulnerable place. So uh, talk about longing and your concept of longing and its importance. I had no understanding of longing, absolutely none, until I had that dream which I shared with you about experiencing love in, in a dimension that I've never known before. So I knew that something existed that I didn't really know how to access. Um, longing is, longing comes from the deepest part of ourselves that has 
has always known that we are connected to life, that we are connected to the earth, that we are connected to the divine. It's it's hidden, it's covered over. And this longing is so powerful. Uh, I was afraid of it uh, because I knew it was powerful and I didn't even like the word. It just sounds uh, archaic. But I understood that it it is such a power to to bring how do i say it it calls it calls the divine it calls that deepest place in oneself closer it's it's a call from the deepest place in life for a return to the sacred that we've forgotten, the sacred in everything. So many, many people and many women have longing and they confuse it with um, love for another human being. And this is different. Mm -hmm. And so uh, often when there's a relationship breakup, women will not understand that it opens to a, a deeper longing that actually has to do with their own Nature. I'm going to quote you uh, here from your book. You, you say, longing is said to be the magnet that draws down the grace. If we allow it, that is, if we dare to make a space to listen to our longing, it will lead us beyond the appearances of life to a deeper reality. You know that magnet. It's if we think of it as yes. a as a magnet yes. rather than as a some big agitation or no. void, but as a magnet. That, I that found that very uh, helpful. And it it it's really just a matter of um, saying yes to it. It's not making it happen. It's it's natural. It's just saying yes to it somewhere, and then, um, and then. This deep wisdom can can open us to life in a very different way. Life mm -hmm. deeper than the surface. Life where the there's an inner aliveness that that nourishes us, that, that is real food. And without it we go seeking it. As you know, we'll seek it all over the place. We all do trying to fill it, but if we dare to give it a little space, give it a name, um, then it will change us. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Justine. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you came. Uh, I've been speaking with Anne Scott, and she's the author of Women, Wisdom, and Dreams, The Light of the Feminine Soul. And she leads workshops and retreats, and you can be in touch with her if you go to her website, dreamweather.org. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. My name is Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3411. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, 
newdimensions.org and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.